Ziva's mission now is to help people turn up the dial on their own divinity, to alchemize stress to joy using meditation, pleasure, and medicine so that we can solve the most pressing challenges on the planet and have a great time doing it. Welcome to Why Isn't Everyone Doing This? I'm Emily Fletcher, and I believe that bliss is your birthright. That's why I'm calling on my world-class network to uncover the most potent, spine-tingling, even taboo healing modalities, all so you can reclaim your bliss. Let's do this. Sweet friends, there is a question that I have been asking myself for about three years now. What if there is a more beautiful, a more aligned, a more true story of our existence than the one we've been taught? And the deeper I've dived into these questions, the more stunning answers I've found. Now, did you know that for centuries, there's been an active and sometimes violent campaign to make us forget our true power and divinity? But the good news is that there is a great remembrance happening right now. So if you are feeling curious, excited, or maybe even a little nervous about what may be unveiled about who we are and why we're here, I'm going to invite you to bravely go to zivameditation.com secret and get ready to turn up the dial on your own divinity. If you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you've likely heard myself and so many of my brilliant guests rave about how meditation has changed our lives. I love meditating. Every time I meditate, I feel like I'm doing it so that I can be in alignment with my my highest self. It made the way that I operate in life just a lot more like flowy and graceful. It's true. This stuff really is that good. I mean, how many more world-class high performers have to say that meditation is their secret sauce before you believe that this might work for you? Now, if you're curious about the neuroscience of how this tool can help eradicate stress, then I'm going to invite you to join me for a free masterclass. Now, all you have to do is go to zivameditation.com learn, and you're going to get instant access to a masterclass that's going to help you to reduce your stress, overcome anxiety, and improve your sleep in just a few minutes a day. So go to zivameditation.com slash learn and sign up today. That is Z-I-V-A meditation.com slash learn. And I want you to know that by investing in yourself and improving your quality of life, you're also going to help support this podcast. So again, you can go to zivameditation.com slash learn. Today is the day that we at long last, after many years of teasing and promising a reveal, today is the day that we reveal a very, very special, dare I say, secret. So welcome to today's episode of Why Isn't Everyone Doing This? Where we're doing something we've never done before and we are flipping the tables, we are switching seats, and I am actually going to be the guest today and I have invited on the resplendent, the ridiculously intelligent, the lit from within with ancient wisdom and a heart bigger than you're even going to be able to imagine, and a 12-year Ziva meditator and one of my dearest friends, Amber Shirley. Now, Amber Shirley is a coach. She has been an actress, a dancer, a financial advisor. She's had so many different incarnations inside of this one body. And when I was feeling into who would be the perfect person to interview me about about this big reveal, about this chapter change for me, and about these new offerings at Ziva. I couldn't think of anyone better than Amber Shirley. I trust her so implicitly, and I know that as we go through this conversation, she's going to hold the hearts of the Ziva community with her, the people who 
who've been with me for so long, for 13 years, people who've been meditating and know the Emily Fletcher who's known for meditation for better performance, the Emily Fletcher who's been speaking at Google and Apple and being one very specific flavor. And because we've been really dear friends for a long time, but we've been a little out of touch over the last few years, this is perfect because there's natural curiosity about what I've been up to and what I've been secretly researching and developing and birthing a little bit in secret. So welcome to today's episode. And now I'm going to officially do my best to surrender, do my best to be in flow and to be a passenger. And I'm going to hand the microphone, hosting microphone over to the amazing Amber Shirley. Wow. What an intro, Emily Fletcher. Thank you so much. You are the queen of intros, the queen of so many things. And I just want to thank you for having me here. Mm. I love you so much. And I feel blessed to step into your role for this very special moment. Thank you. Thank you. And also at the last minute, we just decided this yesterday. I thought I was just going to be me to camera. And I was like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Amber's perfect for this. You're so safe. I know that you get this all the time. It's why you're so good at your job, but like people feel safe to tell you their deepest truths. And so thank you for saying yes. 100%. You know, you're one of the most important people to me in my life for many, many reasons. And I was supposed to be in Tampa today. I was supposed to fly out yesterday. And then when you said this, I just knew when something is important to you, even if it's last minute, I know that you've put so much time, attention, and preparation into it that it's always a yes for me. Mm. So I just thank you for being you. And I'm so excited to dive in. Okay. So why isn't everybody doing this? Okay. The sacred secret. Yeah. Before we get to why isn't everybody doing this, let's acknowledge that they might not be doing it because they just don't know what it is, right? Because so can we just start there and then we can move a little bit backwards? How does that sound? Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So what is this? Like, how could someone do Sacred Secret if they didn't even know what it is? So what is Sacred Secret? Sacred Secret is at its biggest a movement, right? That this is just the beginning spark. This is the ember that hopefully will light a bigger and bigger fire of helping people to remember just how divine they are. Helping people to remember just how powerful, just how creative they are. And so the sacred secret, I mean, just a spoiler alert, <laughs> the sacred secret is that you are God pretending to be human. It's the most universal and simplest truth there is, and it's hiding in plain sight, that we're all divine. And this is what I've been teaching my whole career, that there's only one thing and that we're all it, and this one thing is consciousness, right? And so if you, my working definition of God is the collective consciousness of all that is. So that includes Amber Shirley, that includes Emily Fletcher, that includes these fake plants, that includes real plants, that includes my son and Pluto and everybody. And so when we start to perceive ourselves as just our body, just the individual, just the tiny little wave, instead of remembering that we're actually the whole wave pretending to be the ocean, that's when we start to just make life harder than it needs to be. As we start to get into blame and suffering and separateness and polarity, not the polarity is bad, but polarization rather, othering. 
And so really, Sacred Secret is a movement to help people remember that they are God pretending to be human. Or a better way to say it is that what we're up to now at Ziva is helping people turn up the dial on their divinity. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, when you start to really turn up the dial on the divinity that is already there, you start to realize just how creative you are, just how powerful you are. And it's not power over anyone else. It's just power to create heaven on earth, power to create not only a life that you'd be proud of and enjoy for yourself, but actually a world that we would be proud to hand the next generation. Because at the current trajectory, I don't know that many of us are going to be like stoked to be like, hey, son, hey, daughter, like, enjoy. Like, we're really like, sorry, like, sorry, thanks for cleaning up our mess. So, so I think that this is an opportunity for us to change that timeline. Okay, so many things here. Let's start with there's only one thing and we are all it. Mm-hmm. That's something that I heard from you 12 years ago and has stuck with me. There's several things in there that have stuck with me. Can we dive deeper into that one thing, this consciousness, and then why that is so important for this movement? Yeah. Because the oneness is huge. Yeah. So this is one of the most foundational concepts in the Vedas. And so just in case people haven't heard, so the Vedas are an ancient body of knowledge, V-E-D-A, Sanskrit word that means knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of nature. Like the Vedas are a human interpretation of natural law. It's like nature is going to be naturing. Gravity is going to be gravitying. You can like recognize that or not. Like you could put an anvil on top of your head and try and jump over a javelin jump. I don't know why that analogy just came through. Like you could, you could really like use things to work against you. But once you understand what gravity does, like don't, you know, don't go for a run with a 20 pound backpack on, like take it off, like let nature help you get to where you want to go. Like wear the aerodynamic clothes, wear the light sneakers. So once you understand the laws of nature, you can start eating, praying, making love, meditating, building your house, farming, like all in accordance with the laws of nature not feeling like we're separate from it, but that we are in fact a part of it. And so the reason why this, and and it's different, not thinking we could do a whole podcast on the difference between oneness and unity, but oneness sort of connotes singularity versus unity is two things that have unioned to become one again. (sighs) That's one of my favorite things and I was going to bring it up. Yes. Yeah. So like oneness would almost be like the black hole, like the unmanifest, the absence of matter, like the like before anything was manifest. In, the, in Sanskrit, we would call that the gyankand, the everythingness, the nothingness. Um, but the reality is that there is no such thing as oneness once we're in the manifest. Oof. Because the one has in fact become two, arguably for the joy of becoming one again, right? This is like the, the Emily Fletcher quote I am most proud of. Yes. <laughs> it is my favorite and I was going to ask you about that specifically. Yeah. So like this is this is baked into this concept of like the one, the singularity, became two for the joy of becoming one again. Like, like the nothingness became somethingness, and it's gonna go back to nothingness. And there's there's different theories that, you know, the black hole there's the big bang and then we're in the middle of an eight billion or maybe 18 billion year expansion cycle right now in the universe. And then it will collapse back in on itself. And that this just keeps happening infinitum. 
And so right now we're in an expansion cycle. But if we look at that more micro, like through the lens of, of one human, like the one became two for the joy of becoming one again. It's like we forget that we're God because it's great to remember. Mm. Right. Like we forget because it feels fun to learn to meditate. It feels fun to fall in love with someone else when we're really just falling in love with ourselves. Right? We're like, oh, right. You are me. <laughs> What's the, I think the thing we always laughed about was like, oh, like you, you love spaghetti. I love spaghetti. <laughs> like you love chocolate cake. I love chocolate yeah. cake. You love horror movies. I love horror movies. We're really just falling in love with ourselves. There were all these, these waves that appear separate on this one ocean of consciousness. And so the, the cool thing about meditation, the cool thing about psychedelics, the cool thing about pleasure practices is that they're all helping you to come back to that unity. It, they're all helping you to turn up the dial of your own to divinity, to have a visceral experience of the fact that you are God pretending to be human. So it's one thing to have someone lecture you about it. Right? Like it's one thing for someone to be like yelling at you from a pulpit and being like, you're God or, or whatever, or like telling you how you should or shouldn't live your life, like a dogma or a doctrine, which I think people are becoming increasingly more allergic to. Whereas with practices like, like breath work, like meditation, like medicine work, like sacred sexuality, this is not a lecture. This is not a should, it is not a shouldn't, it is not a dogma or a doctrine. This is you viscerally experiencing that divinity for yourself. Like if you were to do an hour breathwork session, you would start seeing fractal sacred geometry. You would start having insights. You would start getting messages from the beyond. And that's not somebody telling you how you should or shouldn't live your life. That's you changing your own internal pharmacology by doing breathwork. Same thing can happen with medicine work. And what I mean by medicine work is, is really specifically like psilocybin, LSD, MDMA, like these heart opener and theogen um, psychoactives, even ketamine and cannabis to some degree. Like there's different medicines will do different things. But usually these medicines that are from the earth that indigenous cultures and now we even know Western cultures have been using for tens of thousands of years to have a visceral experience of the divine and oh yeah, they weren't just serving medicine. They were also doing sacred fertility rituals, sacred sexuality rituals, which was really allowing people to use their own internal medicine, their own internal pharmacology to have an experience as profound as psychedelics, as profound as breathwork, as similar to meditation, but amplified because the, the chemistry that happens inside of the body when you engage in sacred sexuality practices is even more powerful than meditation. So I know we'll talk about this more of the link between meditation and sacred sexuality, but right now our new mission statement is Ziva, which is really an adaptation, I would say an upgrade of <laughs> our one that we've been working with is to help people turn up. Let me just say it clearly. Ziva's mission now is to help people turn up the dial on their own divinity, to alchemize stress to joy using meditation, pleasure, and medicine so that we can solve the most pressing challenges on the planet and have a great time doing it. Mm. Wow. So if you've been listening to this podcast for some time now, you likely get it that I am into healing. I am into wellness. I will try almost anything once. And a lot of things I'll try a lot of times. I've done everything from five days in darkness by myself to ayahuasca, to psychedelic assisted therapy, to breath work, to you name it. I've likely tried it. 
And I can honestly say that I have never witnessed healing like I experienced last week on our retreat. So this was the first time that we were using the sacred secret formula in a retreat setting, and it was effing wild. The amount of transformation, the intergenerational trauma, the dreams that got manifested before we even left the retreat, the fun, the ease, the lightness with which this healing happened was like unlike anything I've ever seen. So if you would like to experience just how profoundly transformative this formula is for yourself, I invite you to go to zivameditation.com slash secret. There you're going to learn more about this movement and this formula. You're going to learn how you can experience it from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to zivameditation.com slash secret, and I will send you everything you need to know. I love you, and I'm so excited to share these tools with you. I'm really getting a sense for the feeling of this, right? We've talked a little bit about it. For clarification, can you help us to understand the, the co-creation between meditation, psychedelics, and a pleasure. pleasure practice? Yeah. So these are all just different pathways to the same place. Right, so they don't have to be used in conjunction with each other. You could you could simply practice Ziva meditation and have a great life. You could just do pleasure practices and and love it. You could just do medicine. Well, I'm gonna argue against that. I actually don't think people should be doing medicine work if they're not meditating and doing therapy and doing breath work. I think that that's such an amplifier and such an accelerator that it's really important that you have other modalities to ground you and to integrate. That you're not just like doing plant medicine every weekend and never integrating the lessons from it, then it becomes um, like escapism, escapism like anything else. Um, so really to me, meditation, pleasure, and medicine work are all ways that we can viscerally remember our own divinity. And so what does that mean? It's not like you're reading a book, okay? It's not like someone's, like, like reading a book about sex is wildly different than having sex, okay? <laughs> like talking about jazz is very different than playing jazz. And similarly, talking about God or reading about God is very different from you experiencing God consciousness firsthand. Wow. Now, the trick is that if you have 8 billion people that wake up tomorrow and remember that they're God, that could be very hard to control. Mm. And I actually think that, that is why these practices, specifically psychedelics and sex, have been taken from us. That we have actually been purposefully and very uh, masterfully manipulated into forgetting and we can talk more about that as we go, but this is part of why I think that this movement is so crucial right now, because we are going to start to see the systems that are bringing us the illusion of safety start to crumble faster and faster. The systems that have been built on unsustainable practices, the systems that have been built on misogyny, racism, greed, raping the earth, they are going to start to fall faster and faster. And as corrupt as some of those systems might be, they still provide some stability. Yeah. And if they all start crumbling, it might create chaos, right? It might create panic. It might create a sense of instability or unsafety in people's bodies. And so it feels really important to me that we start to open source and we start to make these tools democratized as quickly as possible so that as these unsustainable systems start to change, 
and I believe that destruction leads to creation, so this is not a doomsday prophecy. I think that as these systems start to change, it's just important that as many people as possible remember their true nature, that they are not looking to someone else or something else to find their power, that they can plug directly into source energy and listen to their own internal compass of good or bad, right or wrong, should or shouldn't, that actually like, does this feel good in my body? Does this feel true in my body? Not did a sweaty dude in a khaki suit yelling from a pulpit tell me what I should or shouldn't do with my body? Mm. I'm so glad you mentioned the safety piece, because I would imagine that there are people who are listening and saying, that's great, Emily. That sounds aspirational. You are somebody who has been able to create this safety within your body to explore these things in such a big and profound way. For the people who are listening and thinking, I'm not there. This isn't for me. It's too much. What yeah. would you say? Yeah. So I would first say that Remembering that you're God pretending to be human is the safest thing you can do. It's the safest thing you can do because once you know that, you're so powerful that you become, I'm going to use the word, like this is Vishen Lakiani's word, but he says unfuckwithable. Mm -hmm. right? Once you recognize how powerful and creative you are, you're much more equipped to face adversity, to face challenges, to face the own trauma and conditioning that we're all swimming in. So that's first thing. Second thing is that sacred secret is yes, a movement, but also a modality. And you can use this modality in ways that do not require medicine, that do not require pleasure. You can do it with breath. You can do it with play. So Sacred Secret is a movement, but it's also a formula. It's also a practice that people can engage in. And I'll share a little bit of the ingredients. So basically Sacred Secret is, is first we, we meditate. We get into coherence with ourselves and each other. And then... We remember the future, which is basically dreaming into a future that you would love to create. We remember the future that we would love to create. And then what we do is that we clear the channel. So usually we're all swimming in some flavor of fear, shame, guilt, anxiety, conditioning, othering, whatever that flavor is of, of that moment. And so it's, it's, it's virtually impossible to touch your full capacity for bliss and ecstasy if you don't first go in and acknowledge the realness of all the darkness that's happening inside of us all the time. So we clear the channel. And the way that we do that is through emotional alchemy. And that can happen through dance. It can happen through shaking. It can happen through breath work. It can happen through um, all different types of modalities. Um, but my favorite is dance, right? So then we usually just like lean right in, right into the rage, right into the grief, right into the sorrow. And, and honestly, when, usually when we don't feel safe, it's that we haven't been equipped to go into the profundity and the bigness of the feelings. But if you start with that and you start with equipping people how to go in and mine that shit and turn it into gold, then it's not so scary. It's not so scary to feel your ecstasy because you just felt the entirety of your agony. And oh, guess what? That agony carves out space for more joy. That agony is the thing that makes the space for the ecstasy. And then once your channel is clear, then we start to build this energy in the body. Then we start to cultivate and curate and build something that I call creation energy. And creation energy by design is the most creative force on the planet. It is the thing that makes us all alive. It is the thing that could make a baby. It could build a company. It could build an empire. It, it can create whatever you want. And actually all of us were born out of it. Like all of us 
We're born out of creation energy. And orgasm happened somewhere at some time to birth all of us. And thankfully, every time we orgasm, we don't make a baby. Otherwise, it'd be very crowded on planet Earth. And so yet we can use this orgasmic, ecstatic energy to create. It is one of the most divine things that we can do as a human. So in Sacred Secret, if we're doing like full-blown, like this will be like rated R, (laughs) rated NC-17 version, you can start to build the creation energy or the life force or the pleasure in your body. And at the moment of peak pleasure, you send all of that energy to your dream, all of that energy to the thing that you were remembering when you remembered the future. And then we listen. And then we lay down in Shavasana and we listen to whatever it is the dream would have us know, whatever it is our soul would have us take action on. And so that's one incarnation of Sacred Secret. That's what we do on our retreats. That's what I'll do when I speak at a festival. But so, for example, I got invited to do, to give a Sacred Secret talk for a room of like 600 Fortune 50 CEOs. So we're talking like MasterCard, Coca-Cola, Uber. And, And so these people, they don't know who I am. I have eight minutes. They're CEOs of massive national giant mega companies. So like, guess what they're not going to be doing? It's like pleasuring themselves in the conference hall. (laughs) And so in this case, the way that we access the creation energy, the way that we built the ecstasy in the room was through play. And I just had a bunch of balls and we put on a song and I gave them a game to play. So first I had them all remember the future and like hold a dream that they had for themselves in the company. And then we had one minute where they weren't allowed to let the balls hit the ground. We used to play this in acting class. We'd play the ball game and everyone got so committed and so lit up and so excited. And then I had them drop the balls on the ground, sit down and go back to the dream. And I said, all right, raise your hand if your dream feels closer right now than it did one minute ago. And every single person's hand in the room raised. Right. So it it doesn't have to be sexual. It doesn't have to be doing drugs. Like there's a million ways for you to use your creation energy to access and magnetize your dreams. Because it turns out when you feel good, it is easier to magnetize your dreams. If I had to define the simplest version of manifesting, it would be feel good, place the order, place the order, feel good. Feel good, place the order, place the order, feel good. Feel good, place the order, place the order, feel good. Feel good, place the order, place the order, feel good. Good, place the order. So, and yet feeling good is not just putting on a smile and pretending that climate change is not real. Feeling good is not just putting on a smiley face and pretending like I haven't been the victim of racism my whole life. Feeling good is not like putting on a smiley face and pretending that I didn't have sexual trauma as a child. Feeling good means doing whatever the fuck it takes Mm. to actually feel good. To be able to feel all of it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which is why we start with the emotional alchemy before we ever even touch the creation energy. I'm so glad that you shared the the piece about the peak, getting to the peak, because I was going to ask you for people who feel like, well, I can't orgasm. This isn't for me. The way you explained being with a group of people where you're obviously not going to be sharing in something sexual, but being able to tap into that collective, co-created, like childlike energy. And there is a peak. And then letting the balls fall. Like that makes so much sense. That feels like such a, a big invitation for people to start thinking, oh, there are so many ways that pleasure can be practiced. So what have you found or some of the experiences? Well, can we just talk about the yeah, orgasm yeah, yeah, yeah. piece? Because I think yes. this is huge. Okay, because how many people, I mean, I think it's one in four humans have experienced some kind of sexual trauma, not just one in four women, one in four humans of all genders. And so like, this is a world we need to change. And I very much, my 
prayer and one of my intentions inside of this work is that more people having access to the sacredness of their sexuality and really revering it with how holy it is will play a part in healing the outrageous sickness that we have on our planet when it comes to sexuality. The very things that are allowing people to engage in practices that would abuse someone else's body. My hope and prayer is that as we start to see more and more of the power and light and profundity of these practices, that it helps to reveal and anneal the things that have been sublimated, the things that have been perverted, the things that are at the root of much of this abuse. And so I do want to acknowledge that so many people, especially women, don't feel like they have access to their orgasm. And I want to share that there are amazing humans out there that can help you do that. Two of them are my best friends, Layla Martin and Regina Thomas-Shower, who I want to acknowledge and like humbly thank and give deep reverence to how much they have taught me and how much I have learned from, from their bodies of work, but also them as humans and watching how they move through the earth, watching how fucking disciplined they are about processing their darkness, about feeling all of their feelings, playing all 88 keys and the tools that they use to transmute it. And then in clearing out the agony, it does make space for greater and greater ecstasy on a daily basis. Now, Regina's an, uh, I mean, like she literally teaches people how to orgasm. Like that's her job. Like she teaches women how to, or she says she can orgasm before the first stroke. Whoa. Before <laughs> the first stroke. She said she used to train for five years. They would wake her up at three in the morning, four in the morning. She's out of bed and they would put her on the table and like, and she would have to get herself into an orgasmic state with anyone. And not, not like violating her boundaries, but being able to find the God in anyone, being able to see the divine in anyone. So I talked to her, it wasn't about overriding her boundaries or overriding her consent, but actually she said that as she tuned into her pleasure and her turn on more and more, she had more access to her boundaries, more access to her consent and the ability to find the God inside of all of us. Mm -hmm. So anyway, if you don't feel like you have access to your orgasm, know that there are resources available to you. Layla and Regina are two of them. And this work is not specifically about orgasm. It is a powerful tool. You can use orgasm as part of it, but really the term I use is peak pleasure. Right? So at the moment of peak pleasure, which for you might be an 8.5, you might almost be at it. And then at that 8.5, you turn your energy to the dream. right? And if you think about it, orgasm, like in French, it's called le petit mort. Right? It's the little death. Same thing in medicine. Same thing when we're doing mushrooms. Like Mushrooms are called the little saints, the little teachers. And... And oftentimes, especially in ayahuasca, like you have to face your death. You have to, there is a death that happens in psychedelics because you are consciously moving beyond the individuality and accessing totality. Like you're choosing to remember very quickly that you are the ocean. So the piece of you that is attached to your identity, that is attached to your ego, it, it sort of has to die when you engage in psychedelics. And the same thing happens in meditation, right? In meditation, we go into what I call the bliss field at Ziva. And so when I'm deep in meditation, like I'm not Emily Fletcher, I just am. You're not Amber Shirley, you just are. And so what all three of these have in common is that they're, they're bringing you into that field of the absolute. They're helping you to access that source consciousness from which there is infinite possibility. And from that place of infinite possibility, you get to choose the thing that you want to bring into the manifest mm -hmm. because we're all manifesting all the time. We are all manifesting all the time. 
And the question is, what state of consciousness are you vibrating at that is creating and influencing the things that you are manifesting? And orgasm is such a powerful way to shift your internal pharmacology, to shift the way that you're feeling, not just in that moment, but for the rest of the day. Mm. Meditation is a way to shift your internal pharmacology, not just while you're meditating, but for the rest of the day, right? We meditate to get good at life, not to get good at meditation, the thing that will be on my tombstone. <laughs> well, guess what? We practice pleasure prayer. We practice sacred secret not to be good at using our pleasure to pray, but because of how we feel the rest of the day, but because of how it changes our relationship with manifesting itself. Ooh. The, okay. So this idea of like so much, but the idea of tuning in in such a deep way that you really like essentially what I'm hearing and tell me if this is it, you're like becoming the thing that you're desiring to manifest, right? Like you are now like a frequency match for the thing because you are like being the thing. Mm. Like you've tuned in such a deep way that you can't help but then manifest on a higher frequency because you've become the thing and that it's like water seeks its own level. It's like- Well, say, well, say what you mean by becoming the thing. Yeah. So what you were talking about is- what I'm hearing, like the the integration, like I, I'm feeling it really, like all things are firing, right? Like all cylinders are firing. All more chakras in, are open. Right, like in this human body to like its fullest experience, mm -hmm. right? And when I think about the fullness of being the thing, so where it's no longer outside of you, like when you say we are all remembering that we are God, like we have, now we're in that state of I have become this, mm. it is radiating from me, I can feel it. Everybody around me can feel it. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, the things that are on that high level of frequency are just like magnetizing to me. They're yes. Just, yeah. Yeah. So I do think that what you're doing is increasing your frequency. I do think you are turning up the dial on that divinity. And then from that state, actually from activating your hoo-ha, and I'll just define hoo-ha, yeah. is um, it is both your anatomy and the energy center around it. And everybody has a hoo-ha. It doesn't matter your gender. It's not female, it's not male, it's not trans, it's not non-binary, it's everyone has a hoo-ha. So whatever your anatomy of your sex organs are, and the energy center around it, that's your hoo-ha. And I would argue that when you turn it on, when you start to tap into your own turn on, to this creation energy, to this life force energy, you do become more magnetic. Mm. You are. And so all we're doing with pleasure prayer, which by the way, that's what I call the part of sacred secret where you're actively cultivating this creation energy and starting to build the peak pleasure in the body. That's what I call it pleasure prayer, using your pleasure to pray. So all we're doing in that process is activating your hoo-ha so that you become a magnet for your dreams. And then you're getting intentional about it because we don't just want to be a magnet to anything. And I, I know that so many women living in a patriarchal predatory society where we, not just predatory, it's patriarchal, yes, but sexually predatory. I know that so many women are not only afraid of, but have actively spent most of their lives not being in their sexual energy because they do not want predatory, unwanted sexual advances. And so I want to speak to that as well, because I think I know that if I were to speak to like 24 year old Emily, who was like, you know, moved to New York City to model and like got a lot of unwanted attention, I would actively gain weight. I would put on lots and lots of coats. I would wear hoodies. I would try and hide myself from the unwanted attention because I didn't yet know how to have my own boundaries. And I also think I didn't 
And part of that, not all of it, part of it was because I wasn't really tuned into my own desires. Mm -hmm. I didn't actually really know what I wanted, so I didn't know what I didn't want. And, and so I, I, am not, I am not trying to dismiss the reality of our patriarchy or the reality of our predatory sexual conditioning. Like that's real and we need to address it. And I think that when people of all genders are more tuned in to their sexual desire, it's easier to discern what all of your desires are, which is mm. important in manifesting. But also I think when you're tuned into what your desires are, it's easier to name what your desires are not. Mm. And when you can do that, I think it's easier to have healthy boundaries. And when you're healthy, when you have healthy boundaries, it feels safer to have your magnet on. It feels safer to be a beacon because you know how to deflect the things that you do not want to call in. Yeah. What kind of experiences, because I'm hearing that you must have been walking people through this now. We're going to talk about how this bridges the gap from Ziva to Sacred Secret. Mm -hmm. And but, they are. Sacred Secret is part of Ziva. Yeah. Ziva is part of Sacred Secret. And and let's talk about the bridge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would can before we get there, can we talk a bit about the community that you've been building, the people who have experienced Sacred Secret, what are they saying? How are they feeling? What's some of the feedback you've gotten? <sighs> Thank you for asking that. So yeah, I've been sort of quietly researching and developing this in the background for the past three years, um, doing retreats in Costa Rica. I did a very small mastermind of people where we spent six months using our sexual energy to manifest like that. And we would play a game. Actually, every day and every month we would play a game and, and the most magic one. So basically like whoever could create the most magic with their sexual energy won actually $25,000. <laughs> nice. But the crazy thing is that people manifested way more than $25,000. Like a one woman got $300,000. Like she actually just got $300,000. Another woman got a $100,000 grant to an incubator for her company. Someone else manifested $600,000. Not that this is about money, but I was just like the $25,000 prize seemed so inconsequential when we started to see like the bigness of what people were magnetizing when they were plugged in, when their head, hearts, and hoo-hahs were all plugged into source energy. So I say the thing that I feel the most honored to witness, like the thing that struck me is there's one woman who was doing Sacred Secret and she had a very intense, like a very intense, very high stress job very high level in the government where her identity had to be private. I know that you're very familiar mm -hmm. with this. And she had been doing it for 22 years. And you could feel how it had hardened her nervous system. You could see the stress on her face. You could see the fragility in her body from decades of living a lie and hiding her truth and holding big, big, heavy secrets. You could feel what it had cost her. And after just six months of doing this work, I just was on uh, a retreat with her in Tulum and her face is softer now. She looks like she's lit from within. She's hot now. I mean, she's always been beautiful, but now she's hot. Like just like in her body, in her sensuality, dancing, loving life, like sucking the juice out of life in a way that I would not have believed when I first saw her. Like I am the one championing this work. I am birthing this work. And I would not have believed you had you shown me a video of this woman six months later. And so that's been wild. Um, we had <laughs> on one of our first retreats, we had a man, straight, white, male, cisgendered, firefighter, never done a Tantra retreat, like not your typical <laughs> candidate for this type of work. Okay. We do, but we do like a long breath work session and 
the breathwork is beautiful and healing. And to me, the breathwork is part of clearing the channel. It's like so much comes up, so much gets purged when we do that, especially in person. Um, but anyway, there was many women in the room who were healing some sort of birth trauma, either their own or miscarriages or abortions or rapes, or there was like a whole like maternity ward happening and where it was very intense. And it felt like he picked up on the energy in the room. And so afterwards we sit up, we're integrating. It was like, how was that for everyone? And this man is like, well, I found my energetic pussy and I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) And then he goes, and I felt what it was like to conceive my unborn daughter. And I loved it. And I was like, ladies and gentlemen, this is what the crumbling of the patriarchy looks like. Wow. It is not fighting anything. It is not tearing anything down. It is letting people experience viscerally the profundity of the divine feminine. Because we all have the masculine and the feminine in us, but because we've been swimming in patriarchy for so long, we've forgotten what the divine feminine looks like and even the divine masculine. And so for this particular flavor of human to have that experience, I started weeping, crying. I, I, a woman on a last retreat, she, she has been a fitness instructor and she and her husband have been married for 20 years. And when she started doing this work, it cost their relationship a lot. Like she started changing really quickly. You know, you've seen this happen time and time again. It's happened and, you know, people start meditating and they change. They heal, they become more themselves really. And it can create tension on the relationship if the other partner isn't willing to also face the truth, um, remember that they are God too. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, there was a bit of a strain in the relationship. And then at some point, like the partner went in and he wasn't doing sacred secret. He wasn't doing this with me, but he just started doing his own work, you know, um, and sexual mastery and just like his own work. And they now are better than they've ever been. I also saw them in Tulum and they were just dancing. They were just like lovey dovey all over each other. And she shared that they did a four hour ceremony where they both took mushrooms and he just worshiped her hoo-ha for four hours. Wow. And like, this is not activity that they would have been engaging in even a year ago. Like they were about to get divorced. Um, I mean, I could go on for a really long time, but, but it's been nothing short of magic. Mm. So would you say this could be for everyone? This work? Yes. Certainly the work that I am doing is for all genders. So I think that's unusual. Like most people, when they do this work, they gender it. That it's either all female or all male or all trans or all gay or all straight, but there's some sort of a, and understandably like some sort of a container so that everyone feels held and safe and in a similar container. For whatever reason, it feels like my download, like my dharmic imperative is like work with all genders. And so far, it has been going well. Mm. Like I get that I'm just in the infancy and I'm not naive about the reality of just the trauma that exists right now of abuse against women and rape culture and then the castration of men. Like I'm not naive to that. But so far it has been so elegant, Mm. so loving, so safe. And that's the thing that gets reported back to me the most is how safe people people feel in these containers, mm. that they feel so held. And so, so yes, for me, it's for all genders. I would say, and, and I would say for most people, people that I would want to caution before doing this work would be people who have experienced extreme sexual abuse or very recent sexual abuse. I think that 
it's just, it's not time yet. Like right now your work is healing, right? Your work is, you know, trauma recovery, like integration. And so I would just say, start there. Just like I wouldn't recommend someone who had just had like extreme depression or suicidality start meditating because of the catharsis that can happen when you start Ziva. You don't want to, you don't want to make the release happen too much too fast. But if yeah. someone's nervous system feels grounded, if they feel resourced, if they don't feel like they're actively in trauma recovery, specifically sexual trauma recovery, then I feel like, yes, everyone can do this work. Mm. doesn't matter your age or gender or any, anything else. Can we talk a bit about what has gotten you to this point? Because clearly what you're sharing has come from years and years of work. I've known you. I've had the pleasure of being friends with you now for over 12 years. And I have seen your growth just consistently and intentionally. And it's taken a lot to get here. So can we talk about that a bit? Because just sharing how important it is for people to know where they are and what it's time for. Mm. So why now, Emily Fletcher? Externally, I think that the world is not only ready, but hungry. Every time I've spoken about this, every time I've been on stage, every time I've made an offering, people are like, yes, yes, please more, please more. And that's been a beautiful surprise. Internally, it feels like a dharmic imperative. It feels like, hey, Emily, you know that thing you did for meditation? You know how you like helped to make it accessible and attractive to a mainstream audience? Well, now it's time to do that for sacred sexuality. It's time to do that for these even more potent and even more taboo medicines. Like, hey, we gave you the superpower and you've been doing a great job practicing it with meditation because remember when that was weird? Like y'all, meditation was weird 12 years ago, 13 years ago. People were like, you're doing a what? An online course and what? Online courses were weird meditation was weird and now it feels like okay like meditation is normal now like like you're weird if you don't meditate now and so it feels like hey you've had 13 years of practice now you get to use these superpowers that we gave you but you're gonna go into the belly of the beast like you're gonna go into somewhere there's some real conditioning shame guilt trauma and we're gonna see we're gonna see just how light this light is mm -hmm. <laughs> Because you know, a lot is going to come up. So we'll talk about that. But if you were to fast forward 13 years from now, mm. what is your vision for what's possible? <sighs> oh, yeah. 13 years from now, we are living not in a patriarchy, not in a matriarchy, but in a society where both wings of the bird are working in equal measure, that each of us has access to our masculine and our feminine, that we no longer live in a sexually predatory society, but in one where people feel liberated and safe and sovereign, where actually people have found their own ways to turn up the dial on their own divinity, that they don't believe that they're God pretending to be human because someone else told them that. They know it in their bones and in their cells to be true, that every morning they wake up and the first thing they think when they open their eyes is like, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to get to experience my divinity in this human form. I know that it is temporary. Where we are using our infinite creative energy, our infinite creation energy to actually create heaven on earth. Mm. That we are so connected to the divine that we actually are vessels to birth the frequency of heaven and manifest that in our 3D reality. And the way that that shows up, I don't care. 
I really don't care. If it's meditation studios like Starbucks on the sidewalks, great. If it's 80,000 people in a stadium orgasming at the same time, great. If it's us having beautiful sacred secret retreats in front of the pyramids and at Teotihuacan and, and, you know, and in Greece, then great. If it's people all doing it on their VR headsets with holographs of me, then like awesome. <laughs> like I really don't care. Uh, I, I've learned enough about manifesting to be as detached as I can about the how, right? Like the what. So thank you for asking the what. And the why, look at the alternative, hmm. right? Like if we just follow this timeline for the species, this bus going to drive right off the cliff. Yeah. Like humans are going extinct. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, climate change, the planet, save the planet. It's like planet's going to be fine. Mother nature is going to do just fine without us. Correct. Yeah. Our existence mm. is the one that is in question. And if you look at the stats, if you follow predictive analytics, chances are 0% that we survive as a species right now. Yeah. And so what is, oh, it's crazy to use your sexual energy to manifest. That's crazy. Like, no, what's crazy is, a is, is committing mass suicide. Mm. Like we're all killing ourselves. Yeah. And so this to me doesn't even seem crazy. It's just like necessary. Yeah. And I know you've gotten so much great feedback from a lot of the people that you've shared this with. Is there anything in you that has fear, worry, doubt, concern that comes up? Because you're about to place yourself with a big spotlight on you because mm -hmm. you're at the forefront in many ways. People have been doing this for a really long time, mm -hmm. but in a lot of ways, you are in a position where you're ushering this in and people are seeing you in that light and putting a lot of responsibility on you. And also I would say that, yes, people have been doing this for a really long time, like since the beginning of time, I would argue. And I would say because these tools and practices have been taken from us and they've been made to be seen as wrong or bad or shame inducing or guilty that people have very wisely done this in very small containers in the jungle or on a Tantra retreat or, you know, through many, many walls of, um, you know, like many initiations or things you have to go through before you get to the work. And what I feel like nature is asking me to do is to start to open this up to a wider audience, similarly to what I did with meditation. And so, yes, there is a piece of me, like my fears are that, that I will make a mistake that would cause harm due to naivete, that I would bring it too far too fast and that it would cause suffering. I, ha I did a reading with like an Akashic record reading once and they were like, because I kept having the stadium dream, stadium dream, which, you know, was like 80,000 people, Dallas Cowboy Stadium, climaxing at the same time, holding a dream for the species. And the Akashic records, which is basically just people who can tap into source and read like your flavor of future. And the records were like, let go of the container. Like, yes, liberation through pleasure, but let go of the container. And so now the stadium dream feels like an allegory to me where it's like they're all the priestesses in the center, like holding each other energetically and then sending their magic out to the stadium. So it's it's like using this creation energy en masse to manifest the reality that we want and many, many light workers coming together and, and buttressing each other. And this is not just me that's getting this download. Mm -hmm. I mean, all like every day I talk to a new person. It's like, I had this dream and we were <laughs> all on the stadium. We we're all on the stage. And it was me and you and this person, and this person. So like, I'm not the only one getting this call. And back in the day, this is when we knew it was a cognition. Like when the rishis, like back in the like ancient India, um, the rishis who were called seers, 
they knew that something was a cognition when many people would cognize it at the same time. Like the mantras were cognized by many rishis simultaneously. And rather than saying this is competition, they saw it as an affirmation. Oh, this must be something that wants to be birthed. Well, that is very much happening right now. Like every day I meet a new sex witch. This is like, yeah, I had this vision of us in a stadium. We're all in a circle. And I was like, yep, we're all getting it. (laughs) We're all getting the cue. Yes. You are ready. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say the other fears are, just, I mean, like I'm quite literally like coming out, like I'm, I'm yeah. coming out around my sexuality, around things that I've done that could be seen as lascivious or you're a mom or, you know, like who knows what the people in Tallahassee are saying or thinking about this. Like, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of that, but most of it honestly is just like what's possible. Cause it's so much bigger than you at the end of the it's, day. Yeah. This is yeah. like, it has to be bigger than me. Yeah. It has to be like, if I try to do this on my own ego or try to do this alone, it's just, it's over before it starts. Like this is too big of a mountain. We are going to have to buttress each other. Mm. This this conditioning and shame has been going on for so many thousands of years and it's so deep. People hate their own pleasure, their own bodies. They hate their own sexuality so much that for any one person to try and do this alone, they will get eviscerated. Mm. Can you talk about the ego? Because you just talked about it and I'm, I'm interested in knowing because one thing that I learned from you years ago in Ziva was, and I know this is all part of Ziva, was when you're in a position where you are teaching, you are facilitating, you are cognizing the information that has been around for thousands of years and you are sharing it with people, there can be this ego that comes into play. How does somebody know when it's ego and when it's just divine clarity. Thank you so much for asking this question because just two nights ago, I was doing a medicine and pleasure ritual with about eight friends. It's this thing we do with Regina called Cortisone Chamber, where it's just a night that's all about like cultivating pleasure and like filling ourselves up. And I was on uh, like a small amount of psilocybin. And that day I had gotten a pretty big download, like a pretty big like pay attention. And it, it, it's an assignment that I don't think I want, but it's a big one. And there is a piece of my ego that would feel very satiated, very proud. Should I accomplish this assignment? But I don't think I want to do it. And it has like global implications. And so I was asking my two friends that were holding space for me because I was having a real moment. Um, I was like, how do you know if it's ego or mission? And Adam, my partner, asked a very astute question. He said, when you think about having done it, do you think about how you feel having done it or do you think about the impact of it being done? Okay, Adam. Okay, Adam. That was a very Mm. astute question. And to be honest, the download had just come a few hours earlier. So all I was thinking about was my fear and like, am I up for it? Which is ego, right? Like I'm too good, I'm too bad is all ego but I hadn't yet really had time to think about the implications globally if this mission were accomplished. So unknown as of yet with that particular thing, but if I, I know when I'm teaching, 
Like there is a state of consciousness that I go into. I think I've heard Sharon Salzberg call it rapture, where my body starts moving. Like it's just like I start swirling and and I start to speak much faster than I could really cognize. And I can just feel that I'm really quite a funnel. Like things are just coming through and I'm saying words I've never heard before or speaking in concepts that I don't fully really understand, but they're coming through in a way that seems coherent. People seem to be getting the drift. Um, and so that to me is when I know it's like, oh, that's vessel, that's channel, that's that's like nature using you as a conduit for the knowledge. Mm. Um, when I feel like it's ego is usually for me um, if I'm judging myself while it's happening. And for me, it usually shows up as like, this is not good, this sucks, you need to get off stage, stop talking immediately or, or go faster and get it done. Huh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very rarely am I like, like usually when I'm proud is afterwards when I can feel that it was spirit. I'm like, oh, way to be a vessel, way to be a channel. Like, I don't know if that's ego or just like me congratulating the channel. I don't know. Yeah. They Would you say that they feel totally different in your body? Yeah, the fear, like the ego for me gets like fear and contracting and small and nervous. Yeah. And the channel feels like infinite and expansive. Mm. And like, interestingly because I have very little technical training in any of this. Like I remember the first time I got hired to do any of this work, it was Aubrey Marcus who invited me to a week long intensive with he and his wife. And I was like, Hey, really quick. Uh, you guys know I have zero certifications, right? You know, I've done approximately zero hours of training on this. And he was like, yep, I'm aware. And I was like, cool. Um, and, and, and he, we actually spent a lot of time that week talking about, he was like, Emily, at what point are you going to accept your own mastery? Like you actually have a responsibility, like you've earned this level of mastery and now you have a responsibility to cognize your flavor of it, your version of it. And, and it was, it was helpful. I actually was doing a podcast with him and I was making a bunch of excuses of like, I don't have a, I don't have a certification. And he was like, Hey, Hey, Amir, could you uh, print up a certification for Emily? Real quick? <laughs> <laughs> and and so it, it's a both and. It's like we want to be reverent to the lineages. We want to be reverent to the teachers. We want to make sure that we do our due diligence and that we don't go naively into landmine situations or that we, you know, are callous with people's nervous systems or trauma, right? So like yeah. that's a real thing. And I think especially for women, I think especially for women of color, there's this tendency to be like, well, we have to, I'm not calling myself a woman of color. I'm just acknowledging that I am in fact a privileged white woman, yeah. but you know, they've, they've, um, studied like men and women and there's something like women are like, women need to be like 80%, 80% sure that yes. they know something before they'll raise their hand and a man needs to be like 10% sure. And so I'm just like, I, I, like I've been doing this shit for a long yeah. time. I've been doing this shift in this lifetime a long time and also for like thousands and thousands of years I've been doing mm. this. And that's been a fascinating thing too, to like tap into the ancient gnosis of this, which really happened this summer in Greece. Mm. There have to be several things that were really important to get you to, to hear in this level of clarity. If you were to say, I know it's going to be tricky. If you were to narrow it down to two things that were like, okay, so clear on my path now. Two things that have happened that have allowed me to feel clear on this path. Bringing and sacred secret to the world in this way. If there were two moments, and can I share something I'm thinking of? And this might not be it, but when I think of you leaving your marriage and whatever you wanna share there, but I saw in you 
an emergence of a version of you that I had never experienced before. Mm. Yeah, like you were at my wedding. I was at your wedding. You knew me always inside of that relationship, which was a beautiful relationship. And it taught me so much. And it gave me my son. And it helped. I mean, just, I'll just say, you know, my amazing husband, you know, helped me to build Ziva and really helped me to become an entrepreneur and gave me the gift of my life, which is my son and is an amazing father and an amazing man. And I think we had really good medicine for each other. And we graduated from that chapter. We graduated from that relationship. And, and it was terrifying asking for a divorce. I did not want to hurt him. He had helped me more than anyone had ever helped me. And it was the bravest thing I had ever done and the hardest thing I had ever done. And the thing I kept hearing in my mind was that Glennon Doyle quote is the braver I am, the luckier I become. The braver I am, the luckier I become. And so it was about choosing myself. It was about choosing that I wanted to be seen and known and loved in a, in a, in a new way, in a different way, in, in the version of me that I had evolved into since the 10 years that we had been in that relationship. And so um, asked for a divorce. And three weeks later, I went to Santa Fe. This is deep 2020. It's deep lockdown. New York City is locked down. I have not been on a plane. And I go to this like faux burning man. So it's like 60 people in Santa Fe at this like sacred Qigong ground. And I did a 5-MeO DMT for the first time, which is a very, very powerful psychoactive. So DMT is the active ingredient in ayahuasca. It's why people see visions. 5-MeO DMT is different and it's extracted from a frog, from a South American frog. And it's a very profound, very short experience. It's like, forget about seeing the face of God. You realize that you are the face of God. So actually this is a very, I mean, very applicable to this story of like, had I not done that, had I not had such a profound like, you are God. I don't know that I would be doing this work right now. Also in that journey, it was only 10 minutes, but I felt like I mourned six months of the divorce. By the end of it, I was blasting my ex-husband with love, which might've taken me a little bit longer to get there if I had stayed just in my human consciousness. Um, and then the next day, I met my now partner, Adam, and my now best friend, Layla Martin. So it was not a small <laughs> chapter change. We're talking three weeks after I had asked for the divorce, the divorce nature's like, like just fire hosing me with this PhD in sacred sexuality. And by the way, Layla Martin is like, you know, everyone knows probably at this point, but world famous Tantra teacher has taught like millions of people, these beautiful ancient practices. And, and so then seven weeks later, Layla and Adam and a few other friends and I went to Tulum and we all were sort of facilitating this ceremony for each other, which was like four or five hours. Everyone was contributing, but it was like mostly me and Adam and then Layla who were facilitating. And Layla, for the first time ever in her career, did something called sex magic. For, she had done sex magic a lot, like in her career, but always to women and always to paying clients or people who identified as female and to paying clients on her retreats. She had never facilitated sex magic for friends and she had never done it co-ed before. But I was like, please, 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 please. And so there were seven of us and she walked us through the ceremony and it was wild and scary and profound and beautiful. And she said something in the intro and she said, for tens of thousands of years, ecstasy was seen as a purifying force. 
And I just hear that again and again, that ecstasy for tens of thousands of years was used as a purifying force. Mm. And if you think about how you feel post-orgasm, and I just invite everyone to do that right now, like just close your eyes and think about how you feel and that post-orgasmic glow. Most people say connected, clean, pure, holy, blissful. I rarely hear people say dirty, bad, wrong, shameful. Like we feel open. We have practiced dying. We have transcended ourselves and connected to the divine. And so to experience that, one, to hear her say that, but then also to experience it for the first time. And then she facilitated again a few months later. We were in Costa Rica with a group of friends and it was co-ed this time now to about 24 people. And during the whole time I was in my head, oh my God, this is awkward. I'm not feeling anything. I should be ahead. I should be below. I'm, I'm too turned on. I'm not turned on enough. This feels weird. This person smells. What if they're watching? Like all of that is in my mind. All the normal stuff that's in our head when, you know, the same stuff happening when we have sex with ourselves or with our partners, same story. And then something clicks over and I moved into this state of peak pleasure. I, you know, my individuality merged with totality. I turned up the dial on my own divinity. And afterwards, as these 24 humans were all in this beautiful, coherent state, it one felt like the most natural, normal thing. It just felt like, of course, of course. Mm. And then I thought, why isn't everyone doing this? Like, why isn't everyone using their own internal bliss chemistry to remind themselves of just how creative and powerful they are and then using this energy to create a life and a world that we would be proud of? And so that really was like, okay, like, giddy up. And so then I moved in with Regina, a.k.a. Mama Gina, which is its whole own initiation. I mean, this woman has dedicated 30 years of her life to helping people tune in to turn on, help 30 years of her life helping people to reclaim their own pleasure and using their pleasure as an amplifying force in the world. And she's not just saying that shit on stage. Like this mm. woman lives it. She is 67 years old, can do more pull-ups than me, has more sex than me, is in better shape than me. And like, and, and like such a testament to what is possible, how hot you can be, yeah. how strong you can be, how potent you can be in the world when you are tuned into your own hoo-ha. Wow. Emily, can I, I would just love to reflect. Can I share this story? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I shared it with you at my birthday party a couple weeks ago when at your birthday mm. years ago, five, six years ago, we all went around and we shared our favorite thing about you, something we love about you and our wish for you. And Jason, can I share this? Okay. Yeah. So Jason, your ex-husband, he said he went last and he said, everyone here has said such amazing things about Emily and yes to all of this. She is all of that, all that you know her to be and so much more. And what makes her extraordinary is that however great you think she is now, watch out, because next year she's gonna be even better. The year after, even better. He said this woman will continue to be more radiant, more successful, more impactful, more fulfilled, right? More of a loving force for the planet because you are so dedicated to your own work and your own transformation. And that's something I think about all the time, mm -hmm. all the time. And for you to be here now is such a testament to 
your willingness to be on this wild ride, <laughs> like all the pain, all the joy, all the ecstasy. And you, to me, represent an invitation for other people to step into the fullness of their own being and their own experience and expression in this really miraculous moment that we have here on the planet mm -hmm. together. So I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge you and celebrate you and let you know how grateful I am to have you in my life and that we get to do this life together. Mm. Amen. Thank mm. you for sharing that. Yeah. It, it, when you said it to me the other night at your birthday, I just started weeping, crying. And, and it feels like that is one of the things I'm most proud of mm -hmm. is, is my commitment to the growth and the work. And also that like for almost all cultures, there's been many faces of the divine, right? And so we get to be many incarnations of ourselves. Like there's not just one Amber Shirley. There's not just one Emily Fletcher. There's, there's many versions of all of us and they're all divine. They're all holy. And we, and that's the gift of this life, right? That it's, it is finite. And so how, how much of that can we explore while we're in these bodies? Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Are you finding now that people come to you for something specific? Like they're saying, I want to experience this thing. So I want to use this vehicle and this movement for that, or is it just all across the board? Well, I think still most people now are still coming for meditation because I think that's mostly what I'm known for. I think this is sort of the beginning of, of launching Sacred Secret and, and people knowing that now included in the Ziva Pantheon is this ability to use your sexual energy to manifest these all this beautiful modality and formula that is Sacred Secret. So I would say when people are coming to me, it's not like, I'm not the girl you're going to go to for like blowjob tips. Okay. Like it's not like, like 3d sex is great. And I'm, I, I'm so glad people are having it, but I'm not trying to be a sex expert, right? Like again, laylamartin.com, like she's amazing at it. But what I'm interested in is how do we use this energy, like both meditation, medicine, and pleasure as a bridge between worlds, mm. as a way for us to merge the 3d and the 5d. So that's what I'm most excited about. And I think that as people start to learn what is on tap, what is available, it'll start to attract, um, the, the folks. But I think really it's, it's like, manifesting, right? Like, yeah. like really, if I had to boil it down, it's manifesting and the meditation prepares you for it. Manifesting, you know, I'm very, I like the way I do it or I would change it. You know, I think, I think I'm a good manifester. I think I'm a good manifesting yeah. teacher. And so now it's like with the sexual energy, we're just pouring rocket fuel on it. Like we mm. get to really turn up the dial and amplify what's possible. Mm. Meditation, because mm -hmm. you were saying it is so important to all of this work and it's foundational. I'm going to take the position of a Ziva student, a Ziva community yep. person, because it's been such an important part of my life for so long. Some of the best friends that I have have come from through you. I mean, at my birthday party, I was like half of the people here, I can trace back to the origins of Emily Fletcher. Yeah. And the origins of Ziva. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The origins of Ziva. Yeah. So when people feel such a a part of a community like Ziva, where it becomes like a second family. There's a strong sense of connection and belonging where people think, I am that, I'm part of that. And that is a part of me. Am I gonna be left behind? How do I know this is for me, right? I'm just thinking about maybe some of the students thinking, I don't know, Emily, are you still here for me? Yeah. Have you changed too much? Yeah. Are you yeah, still yeah. going to be doing meditations? Yes. And are you leaving meditation behind? And the answer is 
no, I'm not leaving meditation behind. I still meditate every day, twice a day. I'm, it doesn't matter how much, you know, sexual energy I'm using. Like I will still be meditating every day, twice a day. I will still be leading global meditations and, and meditation is a, an important imperative integral part of the sacred secret formula. You can't, and actually some people would even say, I don't think this is true, but that you need to be meditating for at least 10 years before you even start Tantra. Wow. I don't, I don't think that's true, but I think that it's one of the reasons why when even one seed was planted, like the soil was so fertile that I was like, oh, yes. Mm. So there is a beautiful relationship between the neuroplasticity that is created with meditation and, and also meditation is basically de-exciting the nervous system, especially what we do at Ziva with these bija mantras, taking the, the nervous system down. And there's an excitation that happens with the sacred sexuality practices. So they're such a beautiful complement to each other. That's very clear with the two of them. And then it's psychedelic somewhere in the middle. Like I'm, I'm trying, I'm thinking about the people who are like, I'm with you, but I'm, I'm wanting to ex, 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 understand even more. Mm-hmm. So- the thing to know is that I've actually been doing psychedelics for 20 years. So it's not like I've like recently like started doing drugs and now I'm like different. I've been doing this for a long time. I've just been hiding it. Yeah. And so if people are like, Emily's changed so much. Now she's talking about sex and drugs. So it's like, well, I've been having sex this whole time. I've been doing drugs this whole time. Right. Now we're just now because it's about to be legalized. Like we're so close to psilocybin and MDMA being um, legalized already. The government is using it for um for folks that have been dealing with PTSD and veterans. And so MAPS has been doing so much research on end of life care, um, ending depression, not sometimes ending, but oftentimes reducing anxiety and depression. So there's been such a um, like a validation specifically yeah. of psychedelic work in society. And now I, I, I'm like, we're well underway with a psychedelic revolution. And, and I think we're on the cusp of a sexual revolution as well. So the answer is meditation to me is like the foundation for it all, right? Like this is when you come home to yourself. This is how you prepare for the sacred sexuality work. It's how you prepare for and integrate the medicine work. And look, at the end of the day, it's all comes back to consent. It all comes back to worthy inquiry. Does this feel consensual for me? Does this feel like I have worthy inquiry? And usually we just have to understand something a little bit more before we can say yes or no. And so we are doing something really exciting. So this is actually like the birthing and the first incarnation, the first real offering that we're going to have for Sacred Secret is something called Sacred Secret Revealed. And it is going to be a free event and it's going to be an initiation and activation. And actually in it, we're going to do a lot of that emotional alchemy, a lot of addressing the fear or the shame or the apprehension or the, I don't know if this is for me. And we're going to go right into it and we're going to alchemize it into possibility. Mm. Not yes or no, not convincing, not selling, but it'll be an alchemy so that you are equipped to handle the profundity of the bigness of the emotions that oftentimes keep us stuck or keep us from accessing our bliss. And then from that place, there will be an invitation to the first at-home retreat that we're doing. So I've been doing retreats in person, which are amazing, but you got to get on a plane, which is expensive. You got to go to a retreat center, which is expensive. You got to eat like the breakfast buffet, which might have gluten in it. You know what I mean? It's like, there's, and then you're like touching yourself in a room full of people. And you're like, this is weird. You know, so there's a lot of elements that happen in person that you don't have to deal with at home. Uh, like you can experience the profundity of these tools from the safety of your own home. So that's why we're starting with an at-home retreat. Like I had to workshop this stuff in person and I will keep doing it in person. 
But to really launch Sacred Secret, we're going to do an at-home retreat, and it's going to be November 11th and 12th. And it's just a few hours each day with preparation and integration, but people get to experience all of these elements where we remember the future, where we meditate, get into coherence with ourselves, where we clear the channel, where we learn how to build this creation energy. And together with this collective antenna that we've created, we get to send all of that energy to the dream of what we want to birth, not only for ourselves, but for the species. And, and so we would do breath work inside of that movement, somatic experiencing, like all of that will be baked into this two day workshop. So I guess the invitation right now is for people to join me on October 10th for a free event. And I think you can go to zebameditation.com slash secret, but I'm sure we'll put a link somewhere. Um, but this is really like our first birthing, which is exciting. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. And for somebody who's never done any of these things before, like they're like, I've never meditated. I've been meaning to. Can, is this for them too? Yep. So you don't actually have to be a Ziva graduate in order to come. So if, even if you just listen to this one podcast mm. or you just found us on Instagram, you can join this event. It'll be for all genders, all, I won't say all ages. I'd say probably 18 plus for this, even for this event. We won't be like, no one will be pleasuring themselves on the free event, but even still I'd say 18 plus, you know, I like to drop an F-bomb here and there. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, any, everyone is welcome. Is there anything I haven't asked you? That is important to share. Mm, I just want to acknowledge Adam, my partner, and how instrumental he's been in helping me to birth this and Mm -hmm. also in the lens through which he sees me. Like he has seen me as this powerful, potent, physical manifestation of the goddess as this like powerful sex witch since the moment that he's met me. And so him holding me in that frequency has definitely accelerated my evolution into this. Mm -hmm. And then also just quite practically, we were long distance. We are still long distance for, I mean, for years, we've had this relationship between New York and Austin. And so many of these gifts that I've gotten where I'm sort of dancing on the energetic planes has come as a result of us being able to grow our energy bodies big enough to where we can interact even though we're in different cities. And so part of that has given me what feels like superpowers when I'm facilitating or the ability to tap into someone else's energetic field or the ability to help safely guide a whole room of people into state of peak pleasure um, has come out of a lot of what we've what we've birthed together. That's beautiful. And Mm. I'm so happy for you, Emily. And Mm. I love you so much. How important it is to have people with you, like your people, when you talk about like having safety in your body and safety in your environment and just being able to create on bigger and bigger levels. One of the things you do so beautifully is creating community Mm. and creating spaces where people feel like they belong and they want to contribute and be a part of something bigger than themselves. And what I'm really feeling from this is like there is a whole new community globally that is being created. That is right. That is the movement of Sacred Secret. So thank you, Amber, for interviewing me. Pleasure. And thank you so much for listening, for going on this journey. I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. It feels vulnerable and scary and exciting. But please accept this invitation to join me on October 10th for this live event and then our at-home retreat on November 11th. And as always, if you like this, you can go to zivameditation.com slash why this and tag us on Instagram. I'm at zivameditation and you're... AmberShirley.com. Uh, yes, AmberShirley.com, where you can, if you were like, I want this woman to be my best friend and also my coach, AmberShirley.com. All right, I love you. I'll see you next week. Sweet friends, there is a question that I have been asking myself for about three years now. What if there is a more beautiful, a more aligned, a more true story of our existence than the one we've been taught? 
And the deeper I've dived into these questions, the more stunning answers I've found. Now, did you know that for centuries, there's been an active and sometimes violent campaign to make us forget our true power and divinity? But the good news is that there is a great remembrance happening right now. So if you are feeling curious, excited, or maybe even a little nervous about what may be unveiled about who we are and why we're here, I'm going to invite you to bravely go to zivameditation.com secret and get ready to turn up the dial on your own divinity. One of the most beautiful concepts from the Vedas is the idea that bliss is your birthright. 24 hour a day bliss is your birthright and anything standing in the way of that is stress. Now I'm curious what you think might happen if a whole group of people who all believe that bliss is our birthright came together to meditate, to breathe, to pray, and to put our attention on that which we want to grow. Well, good news, you're about to find out. I have a very special invitation for you to join me for our next live bliss activation. Now, this is totally free. I do it about once a month because teaching live is my most favorite thing. Getting to connect to you, answering your questions, and meditating with a big group of amazing people around the world is my highest delight. So all you have to do to join me live for free is go to zivameditation.com activate. That is Z-I-V-A meditation.com slash activate. Activate. Join me and amazing like-minded people from around the world to activate the bliss that is your birthright.